Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Robert J. O'Neill. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about Afghanistan, because that is a major part of some of our lives. A little bit about Iraq, some of the stuff overseas, and some nonsense. Uh, It's called the Operator Podcast because... We can talk to each other, operator to operator. I'm going to give you my opinion on a few things, and then you can give me your opinion back to me. And like I mentioned before, go to the Operator Podcast on Instagram or at Makuya or at Makuya on Twitter. Twitter's usually not as nice as most social media, but I do occasionally go read there. I might, uh, I might answer you. I might just mute you. You'll never know, but I'm not going to block you. So uh, tell me if you want to hear something good. Tell me if you want to hear something bad whatever we happen to be getting into today because of the recently released bin Laden papers. It was a bunch of the shit that we found in Abbottabad, Pakistan in Osama bin Laden's house. Um, I've been able to read through a lot of that stuff. And um, that team, that incredible team that was in there on the ground is actually credited with finding a lot of this stuff. We stayed an extra 18 minutes, something like that, to find all this stuff. And it was... It was a lot of Bin Laden's thoughts. There was stuff we found in there that um, would surprise you, and it wasn't the porn. We 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 uh, we discussed the masturbation <laughs> dilemma for everyone in the house or in Waziristan or in Iraq because they can, couldn't bring their families or whatever. Um, but we we discussed um, he Osama Bin Laden liked to keep a lot of notes, and he would write. Quite, quite a bit by hand and he would um, write on a computer and he put them on thumb drives and the way that it would work is he would he didn't have a phone and they didn't have internet in that house because he was pretty good about his OPSEC his operational security I guess and so he would have a courier who would drive away from the house and I believe wouldn't even turn their phones on until they were at least 90 minutes away by road and that was uh, that was how they. That, well, I mean, that's eventually how they tracked them back. A lot of the, a lot of the agency people on the ground with kick-ass interpreters, guys that really busted their humps. That whole team for the agency was awesome. They did a great job, and they don't fully get the credit they deserve, even though they, you know, maybe some of them are the type of people that don't want any credit. That's fine. They did a great job, and um, they were so good. They were so good about it that I was uh, at Jalalabad Airfield on the CIA base, like in January of 2011. And I bet some of the people were there too, and I didn't even know they were there. They were really good about that. I, I do give—I'll give everybody shit. I'll—I'll I'll knock on every 
branch of the service for fun. I, I'm a big believer that you should never lose your sense of humor because uh, that's all we got. None of us are getting out of this alive. Um, but you know, I've made fun of them, and and we, you know, we all got our people, the funny nicknames, and uh, Marines are really good at making fun of themselves, and so are some of the agency people. But some people take themselves too seriously, and uh, they would hide stuff that that uh, didn't need to be hidden or pretend you're on a need to know basis and you don't need to know that kind of bullshit where they say I could tell you but I'd have to kill you first of all no you wouldn't but uh anyway kick-ass group there we did find a lot of this stuff and then it was just recently released and uh just just um what Osama bin Laden was thinking before 9-11 how he got involved with it and you know that dude had a lot of time in that house, because he wasn't, he would go outside a little bit. That's where they spotted the pacer. They called him. They could see him outside walking around, and um, he had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to write. And he, he actually had some video games in there too, which is pretty funny. Uh, I'll get into those. We, we were surprised we, we'd find that. We, we, uh, the porn was funny. The video games are funny too. But man, you got to what you gonna do? But he would write a lot, and the papers came out, and it's the truth about Al Qaeda, its leader, and, and his family. Um, in order to talk about that, I need to caveat this with, I am not, um, an Islamic scholar. (laughs) So I could be a little bit wrong, but I want to get down to the, just a little bit of what I know about Islam, about, um, a lot of these guys that are fighting. I, and I'm not picking on Islam by any means. If you'll, if you'll notice, um, religion is, is pretty much the leading cause of death in the history of man. So that's that. There's that. But uh, the the way it started was obviously, um, um, I was raised Catholic, and being Catholic, you you know we believe in the Holy Trinity. So God is the Son of Man, as is the Holy Spirit, and they're all one, but they're in three. And that's not what um, what Muslims believe. They they believe that Jesus was one of many prophets, and Muhammad was the last prophet. So I want to say, and again, if I screw this up, holler at me. I'm not trying to insult anybody, uh, and I can I can just hear my crazy aunt up at Butte, Montana, banging her head against the wall because I I just said that they're you know I'm open minded. Um, the, so they have a lot of the same prophets. So in Islam, there's Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Solomon, Jesus, and then the last prophet was Muhammad, and then Muhammad, um, he he um, he was born in Mecca right around 570, and then he died in Medina. So those are the two holy cities in, in Saudi Arabia, Mecca and Medina. And, um, uh, he, you know, d- just, uh, he started Islam, and he's the only prophet. And uh, they, uh, everything was, everything was great. <laughs> Get up. I'm not getting into uh, to too much about it, but like just going around and preaching, and, and I guess he, uh, He's, he, he went up to the mountain. It always seems they go to the mountain. It's like God never seems to talk to people when they're in a group, like they go up to a mountain or somewhere. But he went up there, and he didn't talk to God. He, talk, he got the word of God from uh, the angel Gabriel. You probably heard his name before. And then like Gabriel and, and Michael the archangel and those bad dudes. Like There's some, there's some, there's some really cool stuff about those guys. Uh, you know, it, it is the same name, so you kind of wonder who's saying what and where. And then he, so he was, Muhammad's the prophet, and he was, um, he was given the word of God by Gabriel, and then it, the Quran is the word of God, but it was written 20 years after Muhammad's death, something like that. So after Muhammad died, I'm just trying to, as as, as limited as my knowledge of, of the Quran is, and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm getting into the militancy of a lot of these, um, a lot of these people and where it sort of comes from. And um, 
after Muhammad died, he never he didn't have a, a male heir, and that they think would have been easiest if he just had a male heir, then he could be the next prophet. But uh, Muhammad died, and th- then th- that was kind of a split right there, and and a lot of people thought that they they weren't sure if it should be his his uh, like a sure a council a council that elects or his closest blood relative. Um, so Ali was married to. Muhammad's daughter, and so a lot of people thought they should, be, he should be the he should be the caliph, and then Abu Bakr was 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 actually the first caliph because he was one of of um, Muhammad's friends. If that makes any sense, so that went to council. It wasn't Ali. Ali eventually became the fourth caliph after uh, the two that were two in front of him were uh, killed. They'd been assassinated, so we we started off with a bang right away. We started killing each other, and then and it seems like the word that I get is that um, um, Muslims have lived in next to each other. This is the the split. The followers of Ali are the Shia, and the 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 others are are the Sunni, name for name for the Sunnah or tradition. So Shia and Sunni did live together in relative peace. Until man really got involved, and what I mean by that is until like uh, oil and gas got involved in power and riches and stuff like that. And, and again, I wasn't there. Obviously, that's a long, long time ago. Um, a lot of the same names. A lot of people trying to do some good stuff. But the, the the split started. The the split really started there with the Sunni and the Shia. And right now, I want to say it's ninety percent of the world's Muslim are Sunni, and ten percent ish. My math could be wrong. Are um, are Shia and um, you know, there's always been, there has sort of been power struggles here and there, and again, just with the power, with the riches, what we're going to get, and and even even to, uh, there, there's always something. You know, you, you saw with uh, like Abu Bakr al Baghdadi, who was making the caliphate, the caliph, um, and he's going to be the end of times, but he gets found by a dog and blows himself up. Which is, I mean, a lot of those guys don't uh, ever blow themselves up. They convince guys to blow themselves up, but he did. So he was killed by Delta, which is great. Um, <laughs> um, but they're always saying it's it, this. This is the sign. This is the end of it. There was there was even a part of the reason that you might remember in the eighties there was a, a really long war in between Iran and Iraq, and it never. I mean, Iraq. I, I'm assuming invaded first, and they took some land, but it never quite. Uh, it really didn't move, but a matter of feet. And the reason that that the um, the Shia were really, really pissed other than getting attacked by a, a lunatic. You ever notice that Saddam spelled backwards as madass? <laughs> so there's that for you. But um, they were what, what a lot of more radicalized Shia were saying is that because um, Shia is dominant in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places like that, but they were saying that even in places where we're dominant, the Sunni will try to take over, and that was an example Right there was that Saddam Hussein is now the dictator in Iraq, so it means this is this is the next uh, the next step where the Sunni are taking over, and again it just turns in it turns into usually men who are being dicks. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's a, a religious term, but being dicks, and then uh, uh, yeah, so that that, that just kind of started back there. Abu Bakr was the first caliph, and it, oh, as far as caliph too, uh, if you're looking for this, and I'm assuming you will, and you're trying to. Um, Trying to see if I'm wrong or I'm right, and you're and you're googling. Don't Google Mia Khalifa. Just don't. And if you know, you know. Repetition, redundancy. We talk about planning and preparation every single week. We talk about the report that came out a couple months back that the American household net income dropped by over six trillion. 
That was in the second quarter. That's the most on record. Were you prepared? And what are you doing to plan for the next report that's coming out? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, and there is only one universal currency that's always of value, and that's gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We can't control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. Protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com, or give them a call at 844-790-9191. I'm uh, I'm just bringing this up again. I'm not picking. Well, I sort of picked my side a while ago, but just to give an idea of what is going on, just a little bit of the split there. How how um, I mean, it is proof that most people can live in peace, but when you start to get people who really want power. Um, that's when a lot of the the fighting starts because if you radicalize someone, based on your ideology, your ideology and telling telling someone that the other guy's bad, they can uh, you know they have a tendency to fight each other. I've, I've said before that I don't think uh, I don't think people are born hating; they need to be taught to hate. So um, people are fighting over in that part of the world. Um, we the first attack on Americans as far as Islamic terrorists goes. Um, was not Al Qaeda. Um, it was it was actually from uh, a Shiite, a Shia radicalized group. When when we sent Marines to maintain a visible presence in uh, the capital of Beirut, we're over in Lebanon, and what they wanted to do was that there's warring factions, as there always is, and it usually has to do with. They'll say that uh, Israel is the occupier, and that's. Palestine and the Palestinians want them out and the Israelis say that they've always been there which is true for every religion that's pretty much always been there I really hope someone doesn't come after me for that but we sent Marines over there in the early 80s and the thing was um, they're going to maintain a presence so get armed Marines out there just to maintain the peace and this is just another example of not realizing if you if you are in a certain place long enough, you're going to be seen as occupiers from the locals, especially if you're dressed the way we dress sometimes. If if you're wearing body armor or even just the H gear and the helmets and the guns, you look like an occupier. And just I mean, just think right now if you saw if you saw a bunch of Syrian soldiers walking down the, like the streets of Tallahassee, you would say, "Well, I'll be damned. Those are Syrian soldiers. They're occupying us." But we have the good intentions. But that's what the road to hell is always paved with, right? So, um, they. We were supposed to not take sides, so you got the way that it, the way that it works. Um, you always hear Hamas and Hezbollah. And Hezbollah is the uh, Iranian-backed Shia militia, and Hamas is Sunni. And we're getting into that, and you'll see that, like a lot of Sunnis come from Saudi Arabia. Fifteen to nineteen hijackers on 9/11, and then the Shia are uh, Iran. Excuse me. Iran is the uh, single. What do they call them? Single greatest sponsor of worldwide terror, which they are not the people, but the mullahs. The Ayatollahs, which one am I saying wrong? The Ayatollahs are. But we had um, a peace presence in um, 
in Beirut. And um, before the big, the, there was a big explosion. Before the big one, there was actually a, a terrorist detonated truck bomb at the U.S. Embassy, killing 63 people. This is at the embassy before the barracks bombing. Uh, 17 Americans were killed there. And that's when the embassy, typical Americans, adjusted after the fact, not looking over the ridge line and trying to predict what could happen. So they changed the mission and the rules of engagement. And boy, we can talk about rules of engagement all day long. What they were saying for the Marines are on the, because the Marines hadn't really shot yet. They're just, they're maintaining a presence. They said now the Marines could return fire if they perceived a threat. So if you perceive a threat, then you can shoot. And that's kind of what uh, troops in contact, we would call a tick because we shorten stuff. We would call a tick. You can call a tick if you just feel like you're going to be in danger. And, and a tick, you can escalate with uh, however you want to do it. And then the um, shortly after the incident, there was a vehicle approaching one of the buildings, and um, the Marines shot. And, and the, I'm quoting here. They said, the word went out that we do shoot back and that we hit what we shoot at. And a lot of the uh, senior officers were starting to call it a very fragile, very volatile political situation. We're still worried about politics. That's where it all comes from. The politics are always what we're looking for. But uh, other Marines became a target of these militias. Um, You know, they would be leaving the airport or going back and forth. They got hit by small arms, rocket fire. It it pretty much became clear that um, shit's getting real. There's more engagement, so you got... uh, It always comes back to them trying to kick the uh, the, the uh, Israelis out of Israel. Like I said, but even though we've always they've always been there, we there was even a point where we started using naval gunfire, U.S. naval gunfire to support. Um, I mean, you start throwing bombs off of, out, of, out of out of those big ass battleships, it's real now. That's some real stuff. And again, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. If 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 a naval ship is shooting at you, you're going to see them as the bad guys. The difference between a a ship and a boat, by the way, is. Um, well, one of the technical definitions is when a ship turns, it leans outboard, and when a boat turns, it leans inboard. A little food for thought there. Uh, so they're doing that, and then um, so then Hezbollah through Iran. Iran still, I mean, they've always been up to no good. You know, they they were they were the ones that designed the uh, explosively formed penetrators that were killing so many Americans in 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 Iraq. Even though um, the Shia and the Sunni, the militants, don't care for each other. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, and so they were teaching them how to how to build those things. But they, uh, Hezbollah carried out an attack under the orders from Iran. And um, like we said, the, the you know, good intentions, right? And it was a compressed gas enhanced bomb detonated by a suicide truck bomber. So the first real suicide bomber that, you know, because at first it's like, wow, these guys are, these guys are killing themselves. But see, that they're killing themselves because they're believers. Both sides believe if you die fighting the infidels that you're going to go to heaven. So this 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 compressed enhanced this compressed gas enhanced bomb was the largest non nuclear explosion ever recorded, and that is just ridiculous. It killed uh, it killed three soldiers, eighteen sailors, and two hundred and twenty marines. And uh, it was it was tough because they had a, I mean obviously why it's tough and why it, it, it it's horrifying. But the he drove it into a barracks and this Mercedes into a barracks and it blew up and they couldn't identify the they couldn't identify some of the dead because anyone that could identify someone else was also dead. A lot of them were sleeping in their PT gear, um, no dog tags, 
And so it took days. That recovery took forever. And, you know, imagine how tough that would be just on, on, on the survivors there, the barrel, you know, say I just left that barracks a few minutes ago and then it goes up and we, you know, all the records we have are in the basement. The, the, I think it was a four story building that was, uh, it was decimated. And again, it doesn't matter your intention. It's, I mean, I'm reading here. It says, uh, in 1986, a memorial to the Beirut Marines was constructed outside the entrance to Camp Gilbert H. Johnson, formerly of the Montford Point Camp in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Two broken granite walls, representative of the crumbled building, composed the memorial. The first is inscribed with the names of all the American service men killed during the operations in Beirut, with a second carries a simple inscription. They came in peace. You have heard me mention this before, and we are growing. I talk about when we used to dip in the military all of the time, and it got to the point where it was just a ritual. All we wanted to do was dip, but we wanted to get rid of the tobacco, and now we can. Introducing, again, Black Buffalo. It's just like the experience of dipping, but it's not dipping tobacco. They are edible green leaves. There is pharmaceutical-grade nicotine if you prefer. We also have nicotine-free versions. Food-grade ingredients, no tobacco leaf or stem. And we're spreading all over the country. Go to blackbuffalo.com to check it out. Use the code THEOPERATOR to get 15% off of your first order. Go check out blackbuffalo.com. Use code THEOPERATOR. I've had buddies do it. We talked about New Year's resolutions. So far, so good. People are happy. Go to blackbuffalo.com. Code the operator. But yeah, that's, um, you know, like we're saying, the best intentions don't always uh, end up that way. And uh, you get groups of people who disagree, they, uh, it, it can escalate, I guess, into violence. And then also we, not learning from our history, not learning what we don't know about winning. I mean, I'm not an expert on well, anything, you know, <laughs> but um, I do think I'm smart enough to see that sometimes there's a difference between diplomacy and, and, and being military. I mean, when you think Marine Corps, you should think killing. Marines will go in and, and kill, and they'll be really, really good, the best infantry in the world. No, no disrespect to, to the United States Army or the, or the Canadians or all of our, our friends and allies, but the Marine Corps goes in and fucks shit up, and uh, that's what they're there for. They're not there to be a peacekeeping mission. That's how we lost Afghanistan. Because we decided to go in there and um, just let people try to use them as, di- as diplomats, as uh, building schools, you know, making sure they have voting places where they go. And we don't really need to be doing that. There's, we should be. We should use our military the way we did when we when the war first started with the with the horse soldiers, SF, the uh, CIA. Um, the bombs we dropped, and then once you kicked Al-Qaeda's ass, which we did right away by December, you give them a stern finger wave and say, no, don't do it again. And then if, you, if there needs to be diplomacy, let the diplomats do it. But a lot of people in the State Department are too busy making sure words aren't misused on the 50-page PowerPoint brief that they give each other every single day. Um, yeah, but that's... Uh, that's how it happened. And that was that was that was one of the first suicide attacks on the United States. That was eighty three, but that wasn't that wasn't what really radicalized a lot of people. Um, what did 
was the invasion of Afghanistan in 1979. The Russians invaded Afghanistan. We've covered that before because Russia's trying to um, spread communism and like, you know, <laughs> we always do. We're going to stop the spread of communism because that's what we were doing in Vietnam, right? We were stopping the spread of co- communism. So that worked. Um, but that was that was one of the things that sort of um, radicalized a lot of people like Osama bin Laden. We're going to get into his, his history and his... Uh, Al-Qaeda's history, how we started Al-Qaeda, which means the base, and why. We'll get into his... You know, before we jump into that, because it is... Uh, it, this is a this is a kind of a long subject. The reason, the reason for the radicalization of bin Laden, who he was hanging out with, how he went and financed um, a lot of the Mujahideen, along with us, we we helped finance the Mujahideen as well because they were fighting the Russians because at the time that was our enemy. The Russians are going to be our enemy, and you know Russia has a track record of invading places. But hey, so do we, right? Um, I needed to correct, and and again, I, I I like corrections on my Instagram or my Twitter. And you guys have been surprisingly nice on Twitter lately. What's going on with that, man? Maybe it's because my wife put a breathalyzer on my phone for me finally. <laughs> Uh, what the hell was I just saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was corrected. I, I was talking about Kandahar with the Canadian Special Forces, and it was awesome to work anywhere where the Canadians were because they had a Tim Hortons donut. And I, I, I said Tony Horton, and Tony Horton's awesome. He, like, invented P90X and writes all those motivating books. And, like, he's – I think he's pushing 60 now, isn't he? And his abs have abs. Like, he's a badass. But – I don't think he's a big donut guy, so I apologize to the Horton family. I don't even know if they're are those guys related. So uh, I said Tony, I meant Tim. Great donuts, good good coffee too. Thank thank you um, to my neighbors up north, the Great White North, for correcting me on that one. Um, yeah, but so the the um, the explosion in Beirut was nineteen eighty three, but the Russians invaded. Afghanistan in 1979, and that was uh, an uprising in Muslim land because what they what they say and they're they're very I mean they're not vague, but they're looking at stuff differently than we are. We uh, um, they have they Muslims have a different calendar. They don't say um, BC or Anno Domini, which is uh, year of our Lord, and the other one is before Christ. Um, they will say, "See if you see this," and, and, and no one ever wants to ask. Don't 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 be afraid of being the guy in the room that asks the question when you get asked. Who doesn't understand? Just say you don't understand. What? Okay, what does CE mean? And BCE. And I just learned this because I was looking it up because I was googling shit. Like I said earlier, um, CE means Common Era, and BCE means Before Common Era. It's pretty simple, actually. That's like the the entire world uses the metric system except us. Um. I mean, and it makes it makes perfect sense. The metric system is actually in order, and it should be a law, and it looks really, really good, and it makes perfect sense. The metric system, but I couldn't tell you what eighty centimeters of snow is. I, I don't know. I, I know what a meter is, just because it's a little longer than a yard. And I mean, I try to like when I get on television in the UK or something worldwide, I'll say kilometer, but it's kilometer. I know that. And uh, even some of those, if you can imagine Ameri- um, arrogant Americans, you'll hear them say, yeah, the only, uh, the, we're the only one in, there's like, 
there's only one country that's been to the moon and they don't use the metric system, even though astronauts have told me that they use the metric system when they went to the moon. And as we talked about in the last one, some astronauts have said we haven't gone to the moon. And I suggested, I'm so sorry that I said Buzz Aldrin was dead. I suggested it. He's not dead. And I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, they use the metric system. Um, this, I guess it's the same reason. And I, I, God, did I, did I say the, the, the Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it La Big Mac? Um, they call it a Royal with cheese because they don't know what a quarter pound is. But um, yeah, so uh, we were getting into some of that stuff. Some the, the Russians invaded Afghanistan, which went to us funding the resistance, as we would call them. But uh, that's that's where we really got Osama bin Laden because he was from uh, he was from Saudi Arabia, from a very rich family. His father, and I think this word gets thrown around too much, billionaire. But this, his dad, Bin Laden's dad, was a self-made billionaire. Like if you're ever meeting people, like when, especially when you get out of the Navy and you meet some very successful, um, or what you think are very successful business people, then if you hear the word billionaire thrown around, they're not billionaires. You 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 don't know a billionaire. But um, Osama Bin Laden's dad allegedly was a self-made billionaire because of the construction uh, companies that he had, and then his close ties with the Saudi royal family. And um, he is, I want to say his dad had 50 other kids. Uh, yeah, 50 kids, one of them Bin Laden. I, I heard a story the other day about one of his sisters or his niece got asked, um, well, she, she was on, I think it was Nor Bin Laden. Is that his niece? And something along the lines, and I don't want to give credit where credit is not due, but something along the lines of, well, what's the, uh, what's the deal with Osama? And she goes, hey, you line up 10 members of any family, you're going to have one asshole. So, i.e., Osama bin Laden was an asshole. So, get a load of this. Have you heard of ketones? Ketones are a natural super fuel that's created by your body when it's reached its metabolic limit, and it's usually by fasting, a diet, or um, restricting your carbs. And because of some of our lifestyles, it's hard to keep those levels until now. Introducing Ketone IQ. Thanks to science, we have drinkable fuel you can take with you. What is Ketone IQ? It's brain fuel. Clean energy boost without the sugar or the caffeine. When can you use it? Whenever you want. Whenever you need to get that extra boost, think a little clearer or maybe just be a little bit funnier. (laughs) You can find Ketone at HVMN.com. Visit HVMN.com and use the code THEOPERATOR at checkout to save 20%. That is HVMN.com, promo code THEOPERATOR. HVMN stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. So go to HVMN.com, use code THEOPERATOR. But again, you know, getting into, um, based on your views, who's who's the good guys and who's the bad guys? I remember being on missions. I remember one mission in particular in Iraq, somewhere near um, Ramadi probably, where he went into a house at night and it was it was a wrong house. It was a woman and her daughter, and I remember they were both in in um, in their bed clothes in their pajamas or whatever. And I remember standing on their white carpet. It was a pretty nice house in a pretty nice neighborhood. I get mud all over their white carpet. My initial thought was, well, I understand why they hate us. You know what? We're just we're just here. Hey, it's three in the morning. Here we are in your house. Um. Yeah, so that, uh, but but I'm just I'm trying to give a little bit of a background, and I might screw some of it up. And if I do, just correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so it was the uh, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan 
1979 that eventually led to the formation of Al-Qaeda because um, the Mujahideen went in there and they're obviously working through Pakistan to try to beat the Russians, and, and the Russians are the uh, atheists, so they're obviously bad. We hate the Russians, so we're going to help defeat them along with MI6, who had their own covert stuff going along, but we started ours off with, uh, with the CIA and Operation Cyclone, where I think it started off, and, and I've talked about this before, but it started off with um, like Enfield Rifles, which was like the bolt-action guns, and then it ended up with the kick-ass Stinger missile, sending a bunch of those into there. It was I mentioned before it was funded by Charlie Wilson. That movie, Charlie Wilson's War, is awesome, too. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's... Um, it's about Charlie Wilson and Gus Avocados, who who started it off with uh, a very limited amount of money. They ended up sending hundreds and hundreds of millions in there that the Saudis matched and uh, Pakistan took in, and I'm sure gave it all to them for the refugees and whatnot. But um, uh, Bin Laden was a Saudi, and that's the Holy Land. And uh, he, like I said, he had uh, more than 50 children. His dad, Mohammed Bin Laden, was a self-made billionaire. We were talking about earlier. Got in tight with the royal family. Uh, and was building a lot of their, um, just a lot of their structures in Saudi Arabia. So, uh, you know, well-to-do family, got a lot of money, don't need to live in caves. But uh, Bin Laden studied, he studied business administration at King Abdul Aziz University in Jeddah. And um, he also received instruction in religious studies, because pretty much that part of the world, wherever you go, you're going to get religious studies. And there were two dudes there that were, um, there, there were there, um, Muhammad Qutub. And he's the brother of the Islamic revivalist Saeed Khatib, and then Abdullah Azam, who's a Palestinian and a militant leader. And his time at the university there was key to Bin Laden to, to his future role as a leader of Al Qaeda. Uh, not even not just in influencing his radical views, but also providing him with the skill to um, market Al Qaeda. I guess you got to do commercials for everything. And um, so th- you know the, the Russians invade invaded Saudi Arabia, and because of his connections and his finances, Bin Laden went into, into Af- sorry, the Russians in, in, invaded Afghanistan. Bin Laden eventually went over there to, um, to help him out. He could, um, ma- it was mainly, uh, his activities were centered in, in Afghanistan and Pakistan in 1984, and he was collaborating with Azam to recruit, uh, get, get more Arabs to come into Afghanistan, which is a unique place because in, in Afghanistan, you're a foreign fighter. You're a foreigner. Just because they're fighting for you doesn't mean, you know, like I said, invaders. But they went in there uh, with our help, Stinger missiles. Like there was there was some uh, some of the jihadis that were saying the only thing we need to beat the Russians is the Koran and more American-made Stinger missiles. So um, they did defeat him with a lot of help. And then they um, the Soviets withdrew from Afghanistan. But a lot of actually ret- returned to Saudi Arabia where he was initially praised as a hero. And then, if you recall, Iraq invaded Kuwait because Saddam Hussein was saying that they were, they were um, Kuwait was like diagonally drilling an illegal way to drill or whatever and stealing Iraqi oil. So naturally, Iraq that had uh, a much bigger army or an army at all, and they invaded um, Kuwait. And that obviously is going to prompt people around the world you know because now that oil's involved we're all going to be involved so we set up a coalition i want to say of like 35 countries 35 38 nations a coalition of the willing to go in there and we started what's called desert shield and that uh, that pissed off 
Bin Laden because he had a Mujahideen army that he said he could he could use. But um, no, they didn't go for that. And we had they, they, essentially they just don't want non-believers in Muslim land. That's the whole thing. So um, we we went there. Um, Eventually started a bombing campaign, Desert Storm, and then uh, um, we got what we wanted. You know, we got the American hostages back, and then we got the Iraqis out. But we also, you know, we always seemed to need to test our technology, so we um, we bombed the shit out of them. And we were actually impressed with that, we being the United States, because during the Cold War, we were kind of an underdog, but we never really, you know, we saw what we could do with the Stinger missiles for the Russians, but we, we didn't know how we were going to, um, how, how we could beat them. But then it turned into such an ass-whipping. You know, putting missiles through uh, windows on the third floor of a building, and then also shooting down their Scud missiles with Patriot missiles. Even though we kind of inflated how good the Patriot missiles were, we proved that we had anti-missile missiles and real tanks. The M1 Abrams got to fight the Air Force, crushed. We were using drones. We were flying, I guess, um, stealth stealth fighters, stealth bombers from like Nebraska to bomb. Iraq and crap like that, and um, that that initially pissed off um, Bin Laden, who was exiled in the early '90s out of um, Saudi Arabia, and then he moved to Sudan. And we also had a presence in Somalia that also pissed off Al Qaeda. Not just the fact that we're uh, non-believers and infidels, but the fact that we're in Muslim lands. And, and basically, what they're saying is, until uh, Muslims can live in peace in the Holy Land, you know, Americans won't live in peace anywhere. And so they were basically saying that. Military or civilian, it is God's law, God's will to to kill them. And then uh, it even includes in 1993, if you recall, the World Trade Center was bombed for the first time, and um, it wasn't as bad as 9/11, obviously. But it's it's showing to you that they want to not just kill as many people as they can, but they also want as many eyes on, like I mentioned before on it. And the world trade center is symbolic of American, um, I think exceptionalism or, or prowess or whatever you want to call it. But that, that, the, you think of the world trade center, you think of the United States, they declared a fatwa on, uh, the United States and we're at war with them. And then it was even later on, um, that, uh, He's Bin Laden is living in Sudan, and then uh, he, you know, he's going to get rolled out of there because we've got CIA guys looking for him there. And one of the interesting things I'd love to talk to uh, some of the guys that were involved with this is they were saying that if we had the chance to kill Osama Bin Laden, we should have killed him. But some of the guys on the ground, some of the case officers, the the paramilitary guys for the agency on the ground, was saying, "Well, no, we had permission to capture him." This is before nine eleven to capture Bin Laden. And if his shit went sideways, then we could kill him. But then just n- having those smart guys on the ground knowing that with whatever kind of the political will there was at this time of the year, how do I know what their version of went sideways is? I mean, what if we go after him, we kill him, but something goes bad, then, you know, it, I wouldn't put it past the United States government to put us in prison. So they, they had a couple shots here. They, um, they, they ran into shit like that. Then there was, um, there was actually uh, an airline that crashed. I want to say 19... 19- 99 right around there 1999 i think where um there was an egypt air flight going from los angeles to lax and then lax to egypt and about 60 miles south of nantucket the uh the plane went into the into the ocean so the pilot crashed it and 
I'm not even sure about the black box if they found it or whether or not, but it's it, it is a it's obviously one pilot waiting for the other pilot to go use the shitter, and when he's in there, lock the door, and then God is great, God is great, God is great, and crash it into the ocean. It killed everyone on board. You're not going to survive that just dropping like that. And the word that I got is that Bin Laden, and that wasn't Al Qaeda, and even the uh, the World Trade Center, the first bombing, they're saying it's not necessarily Al Qaeda, but they would eventually take credit. Um, but when when Osama bin Laden heard about the Egypt air flight, he said, well, why would they crash it into the ocean when they can just crash it in some of those financial buildings? And now it's time for some breaking news, and this is hot off the press. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They're once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match the carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code THEOPERATOR for 20% off free shipping. So it is time to tame your mane, and this thing just fixed faces. I like it because there's one guard but 20 haircutting lengths, which means no more messy drawers. It is waterproof. It's cordless, titanium-coated T-blade, and there's a shampoo and conditioner just for beards because you remember the face on your hair is different than other places. There's Manscaped's beard oil, which is essential for your main facial accessory. Nobody wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. And there's the beard balm, which is a pomade. It shapes and styles it. It also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEOPERATOR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEOPERATOR. Manscaped Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Manscaped.com. But I, I am hopping around a little bit, um, j- just uh, trying to find out the origins of, of what's what. And like I said, it's um, it's generally, uh, it gets screwed up because we got involved, because men got involved. Like, you got to figure Muhammad was born in, 570 and different sects of Islam, Wahhabism, Salafism, if I'm saying that right, they didn't, hundreds of years later, they were started. It was all based on what they thought were, was purity, uh, get, getting back to being pure, and that's about it. And then, um, like, Al Qaeda wasn't necessarily responsible for the, the 93 bombing of the World Trade Center, but uh, bin Laden was expanding his infrastructure and, and, um, Training, training other Islamic, Islamic militants because he, he got booted. You know, you got to figure. So you fight in Russia. You're in Pakistan. Uh, get back into Saudi Arabia, treated as a hero, but then you get booted out of that. So he goes to Sudan and, you know, kind of corrupt down there, and he's able to set up training areas for Islamic militants. And he's getting a really good following um, everywhere from, from places all around the world, all around the Arabian Peninsula, places like Bosnia, um, Chechnya, um, they, they were even supposedly involved with the uh, shootdowns of, of Black Hawk Down. There was like Al Qaeda was there. Um, a couple years later, in 1996, under in extreme pressure, pressure, they booted him out of Sudan. So now he's kicked out of a couple different countries. And then where does he go? He goes up to um, to Afghanistan, where they're they're um, still reeling from the fact that the Soviets just left or from the fact that they're just living in Afghanistan because it's not not the same planet over there. But uh, then they're able to set up different training camps, training in methods and tactics and all kinds of stuff. And then uh, you you just start seeing a couple more attacks. In uh, 1998, there was pretty much at the same time, there were bombings at uh, 
American embassies, one in Nairobi, one in Dar es Salaam, so one in Kenya and Tanzania, uh, which is believed to kill uh, 224 people. And then we responded by sending cruise missiles uh, at what we believe to be where bin Laden was hiding in southern Afghanistan. So we're going to launch cruise missiles, and that's pretty much our response to anything. And, they, and, and they're starting to believe that the great Satan, which of course is us, uh, we're not willing to fight anywhere. And then uh, we used to have to park some of our warships right uh, in 2000. They parked the USS Cole. In, uh, it was harbored in Yemen, and it was bombed. It just so happened the bomb hit at the Chow Hall, and it killed 17 sailors on board. And they're, they're crediting this growth of charisma to, um, the, sorry, this growth to his charisma, to Bin Laden's charisma, and people want to follow him because, again, they're, they're, the, they're the, they're, they believe in him, and they really believe that they're the good guys, and we believe that they're the bad guys, and that's one side or the other. I personally think they're the bad guys. You shouldn't be killing people like that, but just, just, uh, um, go, just going back to uh, my side or, or death, is kind of the way they're rolling. And so uh, he was able to give uh, rhetorical strategy. Like I said, he learned from Egypt Air and the way that if you can get control of a, of a plane and you can crash it wherever you want, if you crash into a building, and initially what he thought would happen is he would crash a plane into one of the towers and it would fall into the other tower and you'd lose part of it. And then um, we would launch um, a couple missiles at Afghanistan and then we'd stop. Or... You know, they never expected the towers to fall, but uh, 19 hijackers got on, on those four planes, and then they expected us to either, like I said, launch cruise missiles or um, get into a war and just bleed us to death. Because at this point, other countries are watching, and they decided just based on, based on the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War and what they've seen us do, because we've put everything that we do on a roadmap to how we fight. And people have said, you do not fight the U.S. without nuclear capabilities. And that's why if you look enough into the ideologies of some of these crazy people that are in charge, you got to wonder, why in the hell would we want to give someone like Iran a nuclear weapon? If you have people that are so devout... Why the hell would you leave the border open? It's not about politics and votes. This is some serious shit. And um, you just you just wonder where it's at because um, it always seems like we just come back to uh, personal power. People are making political decisions based on what power they can they can hold. And it's uh, it's not as simple it's not as simple as it is for the bad guys just to say it's either us or them. Uh, you got to wonder why there's a lot of this stuff here and why and 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 you've got to. You've got to realize that uh, we were attacked in 1993 at the World Trade Center, but they didn't forget about us, and they came back. And they haven't forgotten about us now, have they? And they're probably going to come back, and I don't want them to. And I think it would be better to uh, to be able to just talk it out, but it doesn't seem like a lot of these people are going to do that because someone taught them what someone else taught them, and it was it always it always seems to start with some uh, some radicalized. Uh, person or professor who's screaming at you about hating someone else. And uh, based on what happened with our involvement in Afghanistan, with our involvement with the Russians, with the Russians' involvement in Afghanistan, and then mix that bowl of suicide bomber soup up with some crazy religion, you get Al-Qaeda. But again, too, it's um, not always just Al-Qaeda. Um. I think uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was started in like 1929 in Egypt, and like everything, it was it was um, under the banner of we need to stop 
British occupation of Egypt, and and then when you get into occupation, it's usually because the country that that um, is occupying is looking for something. Uh, Egypt screams Suez Canal and whatever minerals, you know, you can find. I wouldn't be surprised to find out if we were helping Saudi Arabia because if Saddam controlled Kuwait's oil, they would be in charge of half of the world's oil supply. We can't have that. That's a monopoly. Then only we can have a monopoly. <clears throat> but um, it's also look at the uh, a lot of them. They're not the same group, but they are the same offshoot. If you can recall. And I've talked about it before. Right after we invaded Afghanistan, we were drawing up plans to invade Iraq. And that was for personal and political and, and whatever made-up reasons. And um, there, I'd even heard stories of someone in a powerful position saying, well, you got to meet the uh, general so-and-so. And who's general, what does he do? Well, he's in charge of Afghanistan. Whoop! don't need to meet him then because Afghanistan's over, they thought, initially. And then we invaded Iraq. And... The way that that whole madness went down, too, I know I'm supposed to be talking about the history of Al-Qaeda. Um, that's how Al-Qaeda in Iraq started, because it was another Sunni Muslim, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, who's a Jordanian, uh, was was over there. And he's he's rolling around doing his little jihadi thing all over the place. And at first, he was scaring. I mean, he was scaring some of the Al-Qaeda guys. And if you can scare Al-Qaeda with being gruesome you're a fucking black belt and whatever the hell you're doing. But he was doing those beheading videos. And like one of the first guys he beheaded was a guy by the name of Nick Berg. And that was, it was so graphic to Westerners that like we decided it had to be fake. There's no way they're doing that. And Zarkali was just beheading up to the point where some of the stuff that ISIS was doing, you almost hope just to get beheaded while you're alive. They were, st- I mean, uh, and it didn't even matter if you were a Muslim. Do you remember the Jordanian pilot that got shot down? And there's weird rumors around that when uh, we were trying to fight. We couldn't even decide what ISIS meant. ISIL, ISIS, uh, Iraq and Syria, or uh, the Iraq, in the Levant, or whatever they were calling it. We couldn't even decide that. And they, they had people, Jordanians, helping us fly in the coalition. And uh, a rumor, again, that Jordanian pilot that got shot down was actually shot down on accident by a female pilot that was flying with him. I don't know. Anyway, but he got rolled up, and they had some really good cinematographers working for ISIS because they they made this video of like this dude in the orange jumpsuit. Now, the orange jumpsuit, if you'll remember, is what we would put insurgents in when we arrested them, in Iraq especially, the orange jumpsuit. And then you had those army idiots that were, um, I mean, I'm all about a human pyramid, but if you're going to do it to a prisoner, just don't take a picture of it. Keep your pyramids to your fucking self. But they had them in the orange and red jumpsuits. And so that's that's funny because they were calling um, the human pyramid and, and fake electrocution. I mean, fake. They were calling that torture because the media just loves to go against America. I don't know how it is. Like, America is like the big fucking dummy that can beat everyone's ass, but no one tells him that he can, so he just lets them just pick at their ankles. Like the the press does, press hates hates us. So they're saying, you know, obviously Abu Ghraib this and torture that, and so that I mean, believe it or not, that inspires jihadis. I mean, in this case, jihadis. If you know, if you see some of what you consider to be your own people getting mistreated, then you're gonna you're gonna want to defend them too. So that's where the orange jumpsuit came from. But anyway, this Jordanian pilot allegedly got shot down by a female Jordanian pilot, and he he like when they found him, like he 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 parachuted into a lake, and the locals 
because they don't know what to do. The locals, when they're getting tortured by these assholes, um, they told ISIS where he was, and they pulled him out of this lake he was trying to hide in, and the dude didn't have any pants anymore. Like, he had the top of whatever he was wearing, but no pants, which tells you, I, th- I would think, the um, the power at which it is to eject from a jet, especially when you just got shot down by a friend of yours. But it wasn't even again. He, he was a Muslim to the point where I guess his dad is some sort of a bigwig in Jordan, and he said, oh, he's not a prisoner of ISIS. He's a guest of ISIS, which didn't work. Um, but they made a video of him walking around in his orange jump through to a, through a burnout city to symbolize what the coalitions were doing to Muslims forever. And you get to feel and see what this is like. And then they put him in a cage and then they doused him in fuel and they left a, um, a trail of it and they lit him on fire for real. And then after he was just smoldering, I mean, can you imagine? And then they had a, a big bulldozer push a bunch of concrete on top of him. So you can feel what it's like to be hot and then crushed by a building. And uh, again, that had nothing to do with, uh, with being a Muslim. The guy was a Muslim. He was the wrong kind of Muslim. And it's horrible. And that's, um, that's like the whole, um, I th- did George Carlin say that? Do you believe in God? No. Boom. Dead. Do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe in my God? No. Boom. Dead. And the uh, the ISIS guys were just an offshoot of um, Al Qaeda. They were um, they were um, Salafi Sunni terrorists, and they, they they just they just that's the that's the way they roll. And see what they're what they're saying though is is that like the more you do to someone else, the more it's going to make people rise up, and that's true. And it does you know seeing as ridiculous as it was seeing the human pyramid, it made people want to kill you to kill us and then hearing the stories of what some of us i mean just because of our lack of communication in some places you know we would do the night raids and then the civil not the civilian the uh, um conventional army would clean it up and pay them and then you're, i mean we see it right now recently they're they're still talking about places that we bombed and how they need to get reparations you you're only know you only know what you're taught and and um a lot of a lot of dudes out there are teaching the shit and um, it's it, it's just it's a matter of perception who's the good guys or bad guys. Personally, I think if you burn someone alive on purpose, cover them with rocks, or if you fly a plane full of innocent people into a building full of innocent people, you're an asshole. And you're the bad guy. And then then I think back to us. I mean, eventually, because I didn't want to believe it at the time either when we we're fighting in Iraq, especially. But uh, if if you don't cut the head off of the snake at first, you're going to create more insurgents and a lot of people are going to get pissed. So that's why we would, we would have the, and we made it easier for him because it was for some dude to come from Jordan or Egypt to Afghanistan. It's a haul, you know, you're going to, it's a, it's a, I, I ran into actually a couple dudes from, uh, you can always tell the the Arabs from the Afghans. And again, me being me, I didn't know a lot about it at the time. I found the time to study about it later and knowing the difference between who was doing what and what kinds of people were were where. Like before we went into, into Afghanistan, one of the problems for the Taliban was the Northern Alliance run by Masood. And that was like, he had 20,000 fighters, but they were Tajiks, Hazaras, Uzbeks, Turkmen. And then the, um, the Taliban was mainly Pashtun 
that's from eastern and southern Afghanistan. And then the Arabs come into town, and they're they're just they're foreigners, like I was saying just earlier. But when we first started going over there, it's like, uh, well, I, and I know I've said this story before when they were given they were given some army unit a brief on going to Iraq, and then like at last minute they switched their orders and they say, oh, by the way, you, your brigade's not going to. Iraq, you're going to Afghanistan, and they're up there giving a brief, and it says, welcome to Iraq, and they go, well, sir, we're going to Afghanistan. And he's like, what's the difference? And that's our attitude. What's the difference? It's a pretty damn big difference. But uh, the Northern Alliance was involved, and, and all that was was something about the city of Sharif, and I really want to get into this in a later detail later, because that was where the big prison break was. That was a place where, um, see, the, the Af- I'm supposed to be talking about Al-Qaeda, but like the Afghans were really, really good at having warlords, but turning on each other, but then going back to the same side, and Mazari Sharif was one of the cities that they um when it was being run by some of the warlords that's going to be an awesome episode uh it was like they had uh, you know people (laughs) you were allowed to show your your shoulders listen to music crazy fly a kite nuts armageddon i tell you but um masood was killed um two days before 9-11 and that was because a, a couple of arabs came in and tricked them um, to say they're going to give him a uh, an interview on uh, on television. And what killed him was the suicide bomb, but also his vanity because he wanted to be on TV. And um, that would have been one of the spots. There were there were guys like Kofor Black and George Tennant who, even before they killed Masood, was saying that they repeatedly warned the Bush administration in 2000 that we needed a wartime posture because um, it's imminent. The, uh, uh, bin Laden said he's going to attack us. They killed Masood. That would have been our end. We already had paramilitary guys with the CIA working with with Masood, and they gave him like the CIA would give the president a daily brief, but nobody wanted to admit there's a problem because what's the fun in that? When we can talk about other stuff, they can get me reelected, and then all of a sudden your life changes, your world changes. Sometimes your life ends. And uh, when Masood, I mean, before even before nine eleven. He got interviewed something, and um, before we really knew what Al-Qaeda was like, he had some kick-ass quote where he said uh, about Al-Qaeda that we've been fighting these guys for four years, and I've never captured one of these bastards. And he's talking about uh, Al-Qaeda. Again, suicide bombers, martyrs, believers. But those are just some of the things that have uh, been depicted, been written down in the past and again, it's um, as far as Islam goes, it starts with Muhammad, but then it branches off because man gets involved. And there's other there's other facts in there that uh, I mean you would think could be debated. Like you, I'm sure you've heard of violence overdrawing Muhammad, and that's uh, it's not specifically in the Quran, but some people decided that you shouldn't be able to do so. Some parts of Sunni Islam don't want you drawing Muhammad because, well, they actually don't want you drawing any any of the prophets, like like I mentioned earlier, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Solomon, Jesus, but don't draw Muhammad because there is one God, and that's what they would call idolatry. So you're, you're worshiping a false god. That's actually the same reason uh, I don't know why we didn't just bury bin Laden because they're not going to worship at a shrine because that's not what... What uh, Sunni Muslims do, they don't. Uh, that that uh, got me thinking too. That if they can't draw Jesus, that's probably what led us to draw Jesus, and so we just decided to make him white, because most guys during that part of time in that part of the world were not white. But you can't draw Muhammad. They get pissed about that. Charlie Hebdo was a, a satirical. Um, newspaper with cartoons in it in France and um, 
it doesn't really matter sometimes. <laughs> if you think people might be violent, there's no reason to egg them on. It's probably easier to not draw Muhammad than to try to. But um, uh, Shia, they have depictions of Muhammad all over the place. They Again, they don't get along with each other. So that's uh, that's one thing I wanted to point out. And then um, just to touch on what's happening now with al-Qaeda, now that uh, bin Laden's dead and, and uh, Zawahiri's dead, and um, there was a split there in Iraq when a guy named Ibrahim Awad, Ibrahim al-Badri al-Samari, who had degrees in Islamic theology. He's from Samarra, Iraq, and he went to the University of Baghdad and he joined, uh, he's taking radical Islamic theory and he actually ended up joining the Salafi uh, Jihadi Networks once we invaded Iraq, which again tells you if, you know, we're, we're turning people into insurgents sometimes with invasions that we don't agree with what they're doing, but they also don't agree with our invasions. So, you know, <laughs> um, we, we, we made one out of him he, he, he didn't look like a good guy to me If you Google his name and his face If you get a picture of him He's got crazy eyes He'll kill you And he, he, was, a, he was a bad dude But he became the caliph in the caliphate So the caliphate is a land that's under Islamic rule And the caliph, he runs it He's in charge of it um, he, was, he was the emir of al-Qaeda in Iraq Until they broke rank And then Ashura Council there And Ashura Council is a group of senior members Kind of like when you get in trouble in the Navy and you go to a board. <laughs> Been there. Um, they broke they broke rank with Al-Qaeda and they started the Islamic State in uh, Iraq and the Levant, ISIL, or in Iraq and Syria. Universally rejected by Muslims everywhere, but he decided he was the boss because that's what guys do. That's what men do when they, they see the leap of faith and then they, they get the power. And he was in a mosque near Baghdad announcing himself as the, you know, and what he was doing is wearing like the long black robes, the same as Muhammad, and you're supposed to live in that time frame by those laws as a Salafist. However, uh, he had the robes right, but I don't think the Prophet Muhammad was wearing a Submariner Rolex, but uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who he came known as, uh, was wearing those watches. And they said, no, no, this isn't a, I mean, that would be something to live in the time of Muhammad, except you use uh capitalism and western technology from the <laughs> from the watchmakers but um yeah the black robes and then that's uh that's what happened and he he was killed he and he was a guy that um he was a serious like most of the dudes I talked about him before most of the guys who who um were preaching the stuff they would let other people kill themselves but they never would kill themselves they would always let someone else do it it was like uh I was told that it was um, it was almost like a pyramid scheme that you can, if you get somebody to blow themselves up and be a martyr, like you get a part of uh, a part of their jihad and your jihad. So it's like it's like a Amway for Allah, something like that. But he was, I, I'm looking for a quote here from him, and he just he he. I mean, if you look at his crazy eyes, there they are right there. But he was just saying that some something like paradise is made in the sh uh, the shade of swords, and he was serious about it. So he he did blow himself up when Delta caught him in Syria, and then uh, Bin Laden did not blow himself up, and neither did uh, Al Zawahiri was hit by the uh, what the hell was that thing called? A pretty kick ass bomb that we dropped on him that cut him into a million pieces. And there's there's been other caliphs they've tried to make up, but like you've killed the all star team at this point. And so dudes would step up, a couple more stepped up after Abu Bakr al Baghdadi, but then they were killed quickly. We still got guys over there, right? Don't think for a second that we don't have badasses hunting Al Qaeda. They do. They're fighting. They're in Syria now. 
uh, and I'm not going to get into that. But uh, we got some good dudes out there that kept the fight up. They're going to, and I think our guys are going to keep getting better. I hope, hope against hope that uh, they don't get hamstrung too much with bullshit rules of engagement, especially when you're fighting an enemy like this. You got to consider what the enemy would do to you if they caught you. But our guys are doing it. They're over there. And they're sticking it to him. The the, the issue is, because, um, like, I mean, you got to figure back to, like, okay, Bin Laden was the face of Al-Qaeda. And Zawahiri was there, but you got to admit he was kind of a douche. Like, like um, Bin Laden would give a speech and people would listen, and he was known for his marketing capabilities. Man, that dude can sell some jihad. But Zawahiri was, like, listening to someone give an hour-and-a-half speech at an insurance seminar, and no one was really fired up. Al-Baghdadi kind of got people fired up because now we they own Iraq and Syria. They think because we're going to withdraw. And again, that's another episode. We're, we're withdrawing. And so we gave them a timeline. They knew they'd be safe just like we did with uh, the Taliban. I guess Al-Qaeda is not crazy about getting back into Afghanistan just now. But I mean, just the fact that um, Al-Baghdadi, um, excuse me, Ayman al-Zawahiri was killed on a porch at a Haqqani house that used to be run by us tells you that Al-Qaeda is there. And I hope we have the people that are watching for the training areas where they might try to come hit us again. But the biggest thing is we can't get complacent because complacency does kill. And ISIS, um, ISIS, they, they were violent. The genocide against the Yazidis, the sex slavery, that open, open air slave market, which is bad. I hope we can all agree on that. And then the forced wives and the rape, and even like the stupid American girls and the Brit girls that went over there to be brides of ISIS because it sounds like something cool. Don't be a bride of something just because it's a fad. You're an idiot. Go back to school. Be with your parents. They actually love you. But now they're trying to get back into the states. Well, my mistake, you know, because once I once <laughs> once I was over in in with the uh, the ISIS crew and they were passing me around like a joint at a fish concert. I, I thought maybe this isn't the place for me to be, um, but. You know they're they're still there, but they loved the big the big. Uh, they I mean they they believed that this was the end of times and they were running it and that's the going to be the caliphate and then it proved it's not. But they're still going to prove it. But they the the thing is that's dangerous is that ISIS loves to make that big show and they love to stab you in the front. The problem is Al Qaeda will stab you in the back, and they can be very quiet about it. And um, that's what I um you know I'm not trying to scare anybody here but i mean if we could as long as if we could if we could have peace everywhere i'd be all for it i'd be on i'd be on the peace train for sure but that's just me on my pulp but i'm not trying to be a uh i say doomsday guy <laughs> um but i mean you gotta believe sometimes the threat's real i don't think you need to uh, some people go overboard with it but you gotta be smart i mean look at the way um some like el al airlines they 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 run their a lot of their security based on how someone is acting uh who's the threat be realistic the guy who happens to be wearing the medal of honor around his neck and is in his nineties maybe he's not a threat or the woman in in the uh wheelchair maybe she's not a threat i would say the major- not all but the majority are gonna be dudes i would say so <laughs> ladies. You know, give them a quick wand and then, but again, there's me saying that, then me getting complacent and all of a sudden something else bad happens. So I don't want to, I don't want to do that, but, um, um, yeah, but it's all, it's, these are all offshoots of the same ideology and we refuse to, we refuse to believe it. Nobody wants to talk about it until it happens and I don't want to see it happen. The, um, the border is a big problem and, and look what they, look what they do when they bring the president finally down there. Well, they fired the czar who was the vice president. She's been to Europe though, I think, um, but I mean, you can, you can, you can just, so many different countries are getting across our border and I just don't want them to recognize it because again, it's not me. Uh, it's all of us. 
And it's the ideology. They can do that to the Jordanian pilot. They can do it to anybody who doesn't believe exactly what they want you to believe. And um, I mean, just think about it logically. Oh, God forbid your logic. But think about logically. If you wanted to get here, I mean, they're okay. Even a head fake, and I don't want to give you ideas as the brilliant tacticianer that I am, but you know they're moving um, border patrol from the northern border to the southern border because the southern border those agents have turned basically into admin people and they, they, they can't process everyone. So they're bringing more, uh, more agents who have the badge down to the South and God bless the border patrol. My goodness. I couldn't imagine having that job right now. Just watching, watching your own government handcuff your own hands and just the feeling. Cause it, it just, you got to start. I mean, I know me personally, if, if the mission I'm trying to do fails, which it has, um, I consider myself a failure, but if if they're shit, if they're moving guys from the south to the what's to stop me from coming to the northern border? And uh, they are there, and I don't want to see it, but we are living in a time, even though we we put our heads in the sand and pretend it ain't there, there are still bad people who want to do bad things to all of us. And we're so, I mean, we have the luxury of living in this country. I mean, you won the lottery just by being born here. Because of what you can get done, just because of the 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 freedom of the pursuit of happiness, and um, we're we have it so easy here. We have what I call first world problems. That's a first world problem. We are worrying about stuff that doesn't even exist, and we're fighting each other over it because someone somewhere that has power just loves to see the fight. As long as they get reelected, they couldn't care less. There's there's so much bullshitting going on right now, and that it, it almost it almost seems like they they care. They're just um. They're, they're making up fake problems with real bullshit, and then they're lying to our faces about it. And it's, again, I've been yelled at on Twitter before. They say that I complain about the same things every time, and I don't ever have a solution. I mean, there are solutions. It, it, it wouldn't take a... I'd love to see veterans getting in, into Congress right now because hopefully they'll get in the same room and not just do exactly what the leadership says. They were giving the Republicans a bunch of shit because they couldn't decide on the Speaker of the House. Yet they had no problem with every single Democrat voting the exact same way every single time. That's not debating. That is following someone who's leading you by your nose. And then that's just just the re-election. So making up fake problems with real bullshit. And I just I hope it doesn't take um, take another attack to make us realize that uh, not just this country, but the majority of us, all of us, the majority of all of us uh, are on the same team, and we are occasionally good people if, if you think that social media is being bad to you just go outside and walk to a store like a convenience store or a uh, grocery store give someone a smile and a nod you know tell them good afternoon good morning watch them smile back most people are good trust me on that one um just be vigilant take care of each other and you're never out of the fight